I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Paul Thorpe. And I'm Pete Reese. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Before we start today's podcast, just to let the listeners know, obviously Adam's not on again today. He wants to concentrate on getting better. He's going to be missing for a couple of weeks. Bye, Pete. You've been on the podcast a few times, but you've not been on for a while. No, no, it's a good few years, actually, yeah. I feel like I'm making a comeback at an old age now, yeah? Yeah, we've brought a bit of experience back, haven't we? That's what we've done. Surely that should be playing alongside the younger players, but I can't, I can't see any evidence of that. <laughs> no, no, we've not. No, we're going for the experience touch this season. And Paul, you OK? Yeah, all good. Athletics were back in action yesterday. It finished Luton Town 1, Wigan Athletic. Two at the end of the first half, I didn't see that result coming. Let's just have a quick look at the goals before we start on anything else. In the preview last week on the on our blog, I picked out as the danger man, the man to watch. Kelton Morris, lo and behold, like every week when I pick a player out, I tend to put the ball in the back of the net. So I'm going to stop doing that. I thought it was a little bit soft. He almost had a free header. Tilty was marking him. I'm not having a go at Tilty here, but. There didn't seem any any real robust challenge going in as he rose to head the ball. And if you listen to the highlights, you can hear Liam screaming, no cross, no cross. So he's trying to stop him from getting uh, crossing. Did Luton have been building up a bit of a head of steam, haven't they? For long periods in that first half, I thought both teams seemed to be as bad as each other. They were both teams giving the ball away. Nothing seemed to be happening much. And then they just started edging, pushing forward. They, they got a few corners. Amos made a couple of... But he made at least two good saves. There was the one-on-one uh, fairly early on, the tip around the post. And I think there was one off the line as well. I wasn't sure if it was him or if it was a defender on the line. But he, he, he did really, really well. But I just thought, oh, God, it looks like something's going to happen here. And, and uh, lo and behold, it did. Very, very disappointing because we just, apart from a James McLean effort on goal very early on, that was all we had to show for that first half, really. It was Will Keane, actually, who cleared the ball. I, I oh, thought was it was it? in Amos. I thought he got his foot to it, but when you watch, see the replay, it's, uh, it's Will Keane, so well done, Keane, oh, back on yeah. the line. It seems like a, a trait this season. Where we tend to sit back a little bit and invite the opposition on uh, in the early stages of the game. Is that because we've just come up and you're kind of feeling them out a little bit and you know, rather than sort of create space at the back, you're, you're sitting back a little bit, making sure there's no spaces, you're seeing what's going on and you're just controlling them. Like we said last week, West Brom, for all the pretty passing they had, they didn't create much in the way of chances. I know Beast just highlighted that there were a couple of smart Ben Amos saves. The Luton obviously created more than West Brom did. I think it's a bit of that, just feeling the game out, really, until you get going. I think we do do that to a certain extent, but in previous games that we've played, West Brom, perhaps not, and definitely not Burnley. In the other games, we tended to be picking passes out rather than just clearing the ball. And as Pete mentioned to me earlier, hoofing it, hoofing it upfield. I've watched the highlights again, just just to make sure what, what I was thinking. Right at the start of the, of the half, the midfield was further forward and it was linking with the strikers. I know we didn't get much linking going on, but that chance you mentioned there, Pete, what James McLean had, that was the midfield coming through with the ball. When it started getting to like halfway through the first half and the latter stages where that goal's coming in the first and half minute, we weren't. We, there was a massive gap between the defensive yeah, mids and the strikers. So 
that oof ball, I mean, is that us? Do you think that's us panicking, Pete? Or uh, is it is it attack, just instructions, just clear it, get it cleared? People don't like hoof ball when it doesn't come off. I mean, if you think back to the Birmingham game, that was a, a long looping ball from, from Max Power up to Charlie Wyke, who managed to control it and lay it off for Broadhead. Worked perfectly, and nobody's nobody's got any objections to that, have they? It's when you, it's when I think it's your only tactic, or what seems to be your only tactic. It's it's very easy to play against because the defenders know what's going to happen every time. If you if you've listened to one or two of the managers of the teams that we've played, like Ryan Lowe at Preston, they actually praise Latics at some point for actually mixing the tactics up. So there is some of the the long ball forward. There is. Um, as I think there was uh, was against Birmingham now, where, where the balls were being played over the top to stretch the defence back, playing into the channels, and then putting it onto McGuinness's head or, or whatever, but also playing some possession football as well. So there is sometimes a mix, but I think it's, is it the players just not doing what they're supposed to do? I don't know. Um, but like you, Barry, I was really concerned with how deep the midfield was. They were they were practically standing on the toes of the 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 defenders at times yesterday in that first half, um, they really needed to push up. They really needed to put pressure on the ball and didn't seem to be doing that. And, and it just gave Luton more space to run into, space to put to play passes through behind the defence and and, uh, and and turn our defenders. But it, I think it showed, if anything, what happened later on. I know we're not quite onto that yet, but we can't play football. We actually, we actually have some players who can move the ball around accurately and quickly. And we look a lot better like that. I'm wondering um, if there's something's going on there, that which, which I think Paul alluded to, that perhaps Liam's trying to keep us in games as long as possible before introducing the cavalry. Because some of those forward players aren't properly fit yet. Nathan Broadhead and Ashley Fletcher and, and Charlie White, they're not properly fit. They can't perhaps last a full game. So he's perhaps waiting to to bring them on later when he knows that they, they can have an impact. But he's wanting to keep us in the game up until then, so it's a more of a conservative defensive performance up to them. I don't know. I'm, ju- I'm just guessing at that, but that's the way it looks to me. You might be right, though, Paul, and Pete as well, because when we made those substitutes in the second half, suddenly the, the game was stretched and they were they were 1-0 in front. You know, there was no need for them to stretch the game because Jones mm. made subs as well, didn't he? And and he's been heavily criticised by the home supporters and even the pundits on the TV was was questioning why did he make the subs he made. I thought McGuinness looked were very hard yesterday. He mm. did. He put a proper shift in. He was chasing down, he was closing down and he was he, he was making himself available at all times. And he came back and defended. Put your socks off for the first hour and then we'll look at it and make the change. But against West Brom, when we had played a similar tactic... I mean, I know we're playing a different quality side. We, we were three goals, you know, behind, weren't we? That was the problem. So then you can't get back into the game. Burnley. Yeah, Burnley. Maybe. Burnley, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Like when so we it's two in... matches a week business, that's what does it. <laughs> oh, I know. I was expecting Luton to be a lot better than what they were, to be honest. I thought they were, with them making the playoffs mm. last season, I've, I've I've heard they're coming to a good vein of form at the moment. But when you look at, is it Demand Bell, the uh, the ex-Fleetwood Sound defender? He didn't lose anything special to me. He was he was he was pushing forward and running just running into Ryan Niambe. And when you look at the goals that we scored, we broke away down that right hand side, over right, the left, where, where he was. So I thought there was room there for us to exploit him a little bit more. I'd like to see us to be a little bit more adventurous if I'm being honest. That is mm, my criticism. Yeah. 
in the first half. I, I, th- I think another aspect of this is you bring in young lads on with 20 minutes to go and giving them the mental freedom to just say, right, off you go, go and have a go. You bring them on at the start, they've got to, got to undertake all those defensive duties as well. If we have a game like Burnley where we get absolutely undone on the scoreline, it's going to dent their confidence. Whereas if they come on with the game there to be won and say, right, fill your boots... And they do. They're going to gain the confidence. I think there's a psychological element to it as well. It's pretty much well, what I'm saying. Let's look at those substitutions then, why they're bringing young, young lads on. Graham Shinner, his 400th game yesterday. I mean, he's not hes not a young lad, is he? That's Garden Broder. Nathan Broder's 23. He's, you know, he's been around. And Telawasco has been playing for three seasons now at Wigan Athletic. You know, he's not hes not a novice. I know what he's saying. He is young, but he's, he's more of a creative player. Some people call him a luxury yeah. player. And I wouldn't. But some people would because he's got, he's good on the ball. But he does defensive stuff as well. He, he cleared two chances yesterday, which he tracked back. One I think he put behind for a corner was a, a great block late in the in the uh, in the second half. What happened when we made when we made those changes when we brought those substitutions on? Well, the first thing that happened we took off Kerr, Naylor, and McGuinness. So we took off two defensive players there and brought on. Three attacking, or you could session is a little bit defensive, but we where the way we play, we're playing further forward, don't we? So he's more of an, an attacking player. So we, we changed the whole concept of the game. We went from from three centre backs and two wing backs to to a back four. Our midfield it looked a lot fuller. I think an element of it is, is it's the right shape and the right players for the right phase of the game, and, and at the moment that's working. And you can understand why because you bring it on those more flair players and more attack minded players towards the back end of the game when it when it all opens up. Yeah, and I, I, I come back to what I said before as well. I think that I think we might be seeing before too long. I thought I think we might be seeing a more adventurous style of play. Uh, we've got some points on the board. We've got certainly more points on the board at this stage than I thought we would be. We would have. So I think from that point of view, we've been doing very well. So we're, we're kind of getting ourselves settled in the division a little bit. And I think when the, the particularly these forward players of um, who, who you know haven't had a preseason, I think, I think Fletcher, Broadhead, and to a large extent White haven't had a, a preseason. Ryan Nyambe as well at right back. Then I think you know when they're up to speed. They might be starting games, and then I think we might be more on the front foot. We just have to see about that. I, I, I mean, we, we thought this to a large extent with Paul Cook, didn't we? In that season when we bought Key for more, so I was thinking you only buy a six foot five player if you lumping the ball up onto his head, and which is what we did to begin with. And when then we thought, oh no, he can he can play with his feet, and then we started playing some really good football, and I. I hope that's what we're going to start seeing this time. Uh, I just worry that Liam's default tactics, his default position with with his style and so on, it, it, it involves too much landing the ball on the big man's head. That's that's my concern, really. But we'll see. He changed that second half, didn't he? Because he took McGuinness and there were no big man up there. Yeah. Um, I thought they, they worked well because you could see Lang and Broder was were definitely interchanging with each other. And Keane were floating about, wasn't he? Because he went off, I think he went off on, on, on 80-something minutes. Him and McLean went off, didn't they? But they, they were floating about with each other, interchanging, which which is good. We, we changed the formation round and Ryan Niambe charged down a ball, nipped in on the byline, beat the defender, laid it back and Callum Wang does what Callum Wang does in the box, gets a shot away. It went in. A lot of people are saying it was an own goal. I'm going to claim it as a Wangy goal because <laughs> he's our striker. 
and he's having a shot. So for me, that's enough. That's enough. It, it was never going to go in. Though. <laughs> Do you think there was more chance of it going across goal than Will Keith? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still claiming it for Langer. 80 minutes. He's off the mark yeah. for me. You have, to, you have to give Neambe credit with that, though. It was yes. sheer strength and determination, wasn't it, that, that got him to win that ball and get him to crop, be able to in a position to be able to cross it. thought he did fantastically well with it. But it, it was on his toes as well, where the defender was flat-footed. If you, mm. if you watch the replay of it, you can see the, def- the defender actually stops, Neambe nips past him, and then he reacts, and it's too late then. He's away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've marked down here Dariqua as, as like, I thought we missed him yesterday. I thought we missed his his pace going forward. But that shows that Niambi can do similar sorts of things up, up the top end of the pitch. Because for me, Ryan Niambi is more of a traditional right back where Tendai Dariqua is like a, a, a wing back. He, he, he's, he likes mm-hmm. getting forward. Um, and I think Niambi likes to defend. But it shows that he can, can be effective in the final third as well. Yeah, he certainly, he certainly, when you look at him, he certainly doesn't scream wing back, does he? So, yeah, maybe he's perhaps more. I, I, I just wonder with him as well whether he's needed a little, you know, needed a little period of settling in before he can push forward more and get get a bit more confidence in the final third. But impressive so far, yeah. Yeah, just before just before that goal though, Langella had a great chance as well with uh, Tello, Asgard, and James McLean linked up on the left hand side. McLean knocked a, a super cross in. And the diving header at the far post from Wange, and he put it about six feet wide, <laughs> come off the top of his head rather than his forehead. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving forward onto, onto the goal. Well, before the goal, penalty. Was it yeah. a penalty? All day long, that was a penalty. <laughs> and that, that, that happens anywhere else on the pitch. And it's a definite foul, isn't it? I just wonder if he's had a little bit of doubt in his mind, the ref, that the, when I've looked at it, there's a, there's a view, isn't there, on uh, shows on the uh, that I've seen on Twitter from behind the goal. It looks to me as though that the Luton defender hasn't moved towards Shinny's foot. Shinny's completely outfoxed him. He's done this little back heel through his own legs or something. I don't know. It, it looks to me like he's, I don't know, they were both there at the same time. And I don't know. But interestingly, I think he's the officials apologised to Liam, hasn't he, after the match? Said, I think I might have got something wrong there. So, so I think that's a bit of a giveaway that we. Yes, I'm with Paul, one hundred percent. He's he's taking he's taking his his standing foot out with with his like the, the yeah. defender suit his standing foot out yeah. with his left foot, and he's yeah. he's gone down. I'm being uh, too kind to the referee, aren't I? Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, before we go to our our winning goal, he give right at the the very death death of the game, he give a foul against Shinner, which they took a free kick. He took the free kick and they had the goal what got this allowed because he mm. was offside. But Shinny didn't even... He, he, he had no contact whatsoever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and Shinny was going going absolutely spur, weren't he? And he was pointing up the field saying, if you think that's a foul, why yeah. the hell did you not give that one? But there you go. <laughs> well, they had a penalty appeal turned down as well, didn't they? I think it was Curtis Tilt. Somebody fell to the ground in... <laughs> In the vague vicinity of uh, Curtis, where Curtis Tilt was. That was Adibayo, weren't it? It took a dive. In the, it was in the first half. And then we cleared the ball away from that. The referee just said no. He should, he should have stopped it and give us an, a free kick. But they let player go on. And then they won the ball back almost immediately and, and, and fed him in. And Amos made a great save as his near post. It's in the heat of the moment. I understand refereeing is a, is a difficult job, but it does get frustrating for supporters, doesn't it? Anyway, yeah. moving on to the Norwegian Prince. Tell us. Yeah. 
So we've soaked up a little bit of pressure. Max Power's got the ball. He does that little curveball round up the line for Lange. Lange's picked it up, sprinted away. No one near him. I mean, what on no, earth no. will Luton Town doing there? And as he's cutting in, you can see Tello screaming on the left-hand side. Yeah. Oceans of space. Picks him out. Trap, bang, back of the net. I think he, he seemed to know what he was doing before, the, before that pass even came to him. I think he thought, that if that ball comes to me now, I'm going to curl it in that inside that post. Exactly what he did. One touch, bang, yeah. It's just just like those were the practices in training. There's that video of him in pre-season when he was uh, curling them in with his right foot, with his left foot. He's an exceptional talent, isn't he? He really is. I remember last season, Paul yep. saying, I can't wait to see uh, Tello Asgard play every game this season. That was last season, but it, yeah. that never comes to fruition, did it, Paul? Do you yeah. think uh, we're, no. going see, we're going to see more of him this season, would you say? Yeah, yeah absolutely. He had that um, stretch fracture, didn't he, that kept him out for summer last season. Mm. But yeah, I absolutely yeah. think I think him and Shinny will break in and be first team by the end of the, guaranteed first team by the end of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, Shinny, Shinny's definitely going that way, and I think I think Tello Asgard's going to get more and more minutes as you know the more experience he gets. Somebody somebody mentioned on, on that I saw on Twitter about Ashley Fletcher with that goal that he just makes that slight movement away from Asgard more towards the centre of the goal and takes two defenders with him, just creates that little bit of space for for Asgard. And when you look at it, you think, yeah, he doesn't move much, but he's. It's just enough. Watching strikers all my life and trying to play as one when I played. <laughs> I mean, that that movement off the ball for me is just as important as somebody going on a on a, a wizardry dribble up the line. Like you say, you're making space just by moving two foot. You make space for other p- people to come yeah. into yeah. and exploit. Stats: fifty one percent possession. I didn't think we had that much to be honest. Mm. Uh, Luton had thirteen shots before on target. We had nine shots. It says with one on target, but I'm sure James McLean's effort in the first half was on target as well. So I'm calling that as bollocks. So I'm going for two <laughs> two attempts there on target. Luton had nine corners, two over four. They committed 10 fouls. Nasty team, two over seven. We had one book in each. Max Power for time wasting. We, we stopped his time. He was taking a free kick. And I don't think he was doing it too deliberately, but uh, he got booked for it. The attendance was 9,885 and we had a sellout away end. So well done to all the Latix fans going down there. Yeah, tremendous. Man of the match has voted for by our listeners on both Facebook and on Twitter is Latix right back, Ryan Niambe. So congratulations. Great game today. So well done to Ryan. An assist and a superb defensive display. Right, before we finish today, we're just quickly going to talk about the transfer window. The deadline came on Thursday after we'd recorded on Wednesday. I think we was caught, absolutely caught out by the two players that did come in. Romane Edmonds-Green, who we got in from Huddersfield. He already played for them three times this season. But last season, our listeners will know him because he was at Rotherham. He had a great season with Rotherham, who came up in as runners-up to us. And a little magician who I've uh, been keeping my eye on for a couple of seasons, uh, Anthony Scully from Lincoln City. His dad, Tony Scully, who was a professional player as well. I think he played for West Ham Spurs and uh, finished his career off at Cambridge. Stevie Humphreys left us and went off to Arts. Also, it's rumoured that we missed out on one person really late on, and it was a big hit, but I've no idea who it was. So my question to you two is... Are we stronger now at the end of this transfer window than we were at the beginning? Yes. You, you've got you've got to say yes. I think we were. My, well, my, certainly my thought since uh, last season really was we need more goals in the team, 
Um, and potentially with the players we were talking about before, I think we've perhaps got that. One or two, and I think one or two other players looking like Nyambi, certainly his reputation is, is a good one. And then you've got players like Shinny, uh, who came in towards the end of last season and, and, and were hopefully Jordan Cousins as well when he gets fit again. I think they should give us the look of a much stronger team than the one that started in August, yeah. When you mention those names, you mentioning you know Shinny playing regularly, Nyambi coming in, Cousins coming back. You know, I mean, mm. it gives you uh, optimism going forward. And for me, that squad is is like a. I'm not saying we're going to be pushing for the playoffs, but I think we're definitely going to in mid table, perhaps lower mid table. But if we keep all them players fit all season, I think we're we're in for a, a good season of mid table mediocrity, which is what we're all praying for. So the blood pressure what, stays. What a relief that would be. Yeah. <laughs> We'll give the wingers and mourners opportunities to because we'll lose the old game here and there. But yeah. on the whole, I'm sure everybody will be up for that. Yeah. Just to let you know that we are 14 in the table, like mm. Pete said, after a fantastic month and it has taken nine points at this stage before the season started. So would I. And Paul, I'm sure you would as well. Andrew's got the game in hand against Coventry, we were rock bottom. Mm. Anything more than a point per game at this stage, I think is fantastic, yeah. We'll sign off here. We'll be back on Wednesday with a preview of the Blackburn game. So until then, it's uh, up the ticks and come on. Come on the ticks.